0: You're listening to the St John's Dumb and Creek Podcast.
1: This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Chapter 6, verses 3 to 13, and I'm reading from the NIV version we put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, Patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonour, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: I was down in Point Lonsdale and one afternoon I went for a walk along the dunes overlooking the sea, beautiful spot there. Um, And when I decided to head back home, uh, there was a a little path in the bushes there. It wasn't the main path, but I thought, look, I'll follow this one instead. Um, didn't take too long following the path before I realised it wasn't a genuine path. It sort of petered out. Uh, The bushes became more overgrown. Um, And so faced with that, I did what any sensible and grown man would do. I stubbornly pushed on. Uh, I had my general bearings, I knew where I was going, um, and eventually, you know, with a few scratches, uh, I bound my way back to the road in front of me. The only thing between me and the road uh, was a low number, uh, sort of some, some low branches, uh, and so I, I confidently stepped through them straight into a barbed wire fence. Uh, picture me sort of hanging upside down, um, having to disentangle myself from the fence um, and ruining a perfectly good pair of jeans. That's kind of the image that Paul gives us in verse 3 of our Bible passage. He says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. A stumbling block is something that trips you over like that fence, and Paul's saying here that he doesn't want anything that he does to trip people up. He doesn't want to trip people up in their following of Jesus, Uh, and that happens. Often, the bad behavior of Christian people is a stumbling block, and it trips people up from following Jesus. Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you're someone who is really interested in Jesus, you love some of the things that he teaches, uh, and you're keen to investigate further. But to be honest, the tripping point for you, the stumbling block, is frankly, Christians. Maybe you've experienced personally in your own life the bad behaviour of Christians, which has put you off. Maybe you've just seen strewn through the media Uh, Christians behaving in ways which are hypocritical and unhelpful, uh, and that is stopping you pursuing Jesus further. Look, all I can say in response to that is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that we as Christians haven't done a better job showing you Jesus. Uh, There's no excuse uh, for bad behaviour from those who claim to follow Jesus. Uh, And all I can ask you to do is to look more at Jesus and what he teaches and the way that he lived his life and treated people and use that as your standard for judgment rather than the bad behaviour of Christians. In fact, the message of Christianity is that no one is perfect except for Jesus. No one behaves uh, really well. And in actual fact, the the only um, criteria for being a Christian is to recognize that your own life falls short, that you fail, that you stuff up, that you're not good enough and actually call on God to have mercy on you and, and forgive you and to seek forgiveness through the perfect life of Jesus that he lived and the sacrificial death that he died in our place to deal with our stuff-ups and our failings. Now, having said that, Christians, people who do follow after Jesus, having been forgiven, are supposed to live in the way of Jesus. And so if we haven't done that very well, and that's been a stumbling block for you, again, I'm sorry, that we have somehow hidden and distracted you from how amazing, how wonderful, how beautiful Jesus is. Paul, for his own part, is really keen not to do that sort of thing, not to be a stumbling block to people. In fact, he wants to do the opposite. That's in verse 4. He says, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. He wants people to look at his life as someone who is known as a servant of God, someone who lives for God, and for people to go, wow, that is amazing. Not for his own sake, so that people think that he's wonderful, but because they know who he's serving, that he's serving God, that he commends God through his own life. Uh, And that's the challenge of this Bible passage for Christians, are we living our lives in a way where we're being a stumbling block to people following Jesus? Or are we living in a way which will commend Jesus to other people? Paul goes on in the rest of the passage to speak about his own life and to speak about the different ways in which we should commend Jesus to people. The first thing that he says is that we can commend Jesus to other people by the way that we endure hardships and suffering that we face in our life. You know, I reckon at the moment it's a really great opportunity for us to be commending Jesus to other people in the difficult circumstances that we're all facing and have been facing with coronavirus and the restrictions uh, that have been in place. Sometimes when things are the hardest and the darkest is when light shines out the most. And so actually living in the way of Jesus as we should actually stands out and looks different. There should be hope in the way that we live and genuine love in the way that we respond even in the midst of dark and hard times. Paul himself is no stranger to hard times. Uh, In verse 4, he says that he wants to share Jesus in trouble, hardship and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Uh, If you read in the Bible the story of Paul's life, you know none of that's an exaggeration. That's the sort of stuff that he went through, and he did it because he thought Jesus was so impressive. Jesus transformed his life so much that he just wanted to get out and to share that with other people. Um, and so he did, and he went through great hardships in order to commend Jesus to other people, but he was willing to endure it for the sake of sharing Jesus with others. When I read through the sorts of things that Paul endured, I think, you know what, this, this lockdown situation hasn't been that bad. Um, you know, I don't want to downplay it. Maybe it's been particularly hard for you because of your circumstances, Uh, But Paul's point here is that hard times do come in life in different ways and they come because we're living in a world which is is broken, it's not the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, And when you become a Christian, it's not like you take some sort of magic pill that you pop and all the hard times go away. No, Christians live within the broken world. And because we're wanting to share Jesus with other people, we want to speak about Jesus to others, we want to display the life of Jesus to other people, in a broken world, sometimes people don't want to hear that stuff, and they don't want to see that, and they may not respond positively to us, and so times might even be harder. Jesus never promised that when we started to follow him, things would be easy. In fact, the opposite. He said that things will be hard at times. We follow after a saviour who himself suffered and died, and so we can't expect that life will always be rosy. We'll face hard times, but part of commending Jesus to others is actually enduring those hard times so that we can share Jesus and display the life of Jesus to other people. So hard times are a reality and they're a given, and we endure those as a a way of commending Jesus to other people. But also, Paul talks about here, the way that our character needs to be on display in the midst of hard times. It's true, isn't it, that um, in the midst of hard times, sometimes you see particularly the beauty of people's character shining through. I can think of people in this church and I won't embarrass them by saying their names, who have been through terrible situations and are going through very difficult situations in terms of health, uh, disability, tragedy that they've faced. And yet in the midst of that, this light just shines out of them. Their their character shines forth in beautiful ways. Uh, And it's the sort of thing that Paul's talking about here in verse 6 where he says, uh, in purity, in understanding, patience and kindness. Uh, Purity is about moral purity, doing the right thing, but it's more than that. It's also about pure motives, being authentic and genuine in the way that you do things. Understanding is talking about being wise and discerning, making good decisions and treating people well. Uh, Patience is about controlling your temper, not just reacting to the situation, uh, but actually thinking through and being willing to wait, um, and not just reacting even when people might treat you badly. Kindness is about actively doing good for people, seeking ways to, to bless people in really practical ways. Uh, Now, those things are hard to do at the best of times, aren't they? But they're especially hard to do those things when things are hard and when our stress levels go up. So when we're more stressed, when times are hard, we tend to make excuses for impure behaviour. Ah, I deserve an indulgence. We tend to be less understanding of other people, Why can't they understand me? Don't they know how stressed and how busy I am? We tend to become impatient. Our stress just boils over and we react. And we're less likely to be kind. We actually do harmful things often to other people rather than kind things, and we end up just looking out for ourselves. Now, none of what I've just described there is is theoretical, by the way. Um, If I thought... Man, I am nailing this purity, understanding, uh, patience and kindness stuff. Uh, Two words in the last couple of months have pricked that bubble. Online schooling. Yeah? The parents out there know what I'm talking about. Um, Now, what Paul is describing here is incredibly difficult. They're not things that we easily do in our own strength and in our own power. Instead, they're actually things that we can only do as God works in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's exactly where he goes next. In verse 6, he says, In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. Uh, Love is kind of the ultimate characteristic that Christians should be displaying. It's the one that sits above all else. Uh, And elsewhere in the Bible, things like love and patience and kindness are actually described as fruit of the Holy Spirit. So as God comes to live within us uh, by his Holy Spirit, he actually grows these characteristics in us uh, like fruit, and grow on a tree. It's about transforming our character. We need to ask God to actually develop these traits within our lives to fill us with His Spirit and to develop these, these things within us. And just like, you know, fruit on a tree doesn't suddenly sort of appear overnight, it, it gradually grows and it develops... It's exactly the same with these sorts of things, love and patience and kindness and, and understanding. All of these things need to develop and grow over time. It's, it's slow burn stuff. It's a little bit like um, learning a new language or a new sport um, or maybe learning a musical instrument. When you first start doing any of those things, you're, you're clunky and you're, you're clumsy and you're you stuff up and you make mistakes, it feels uh, really unnatural. But over time, as you, as you keep trying and failing and, and trying again and, and practising and, and learning, you get better at it and it actually becomes part of, you know, your muscle memory and embedded in who you are as a person. And over time, it just starts flowing out naturally that you do those things. And it's the same with the fruit of the Spirit, I think. Things like patience and kindness and love and understanding and and purity. Over time, when you practice doing those things, when you ask God to help you doing those things, when you stuff them up and then have to say sorry and ask God to help you get better at those things, in time you do and they grow as fruit within your life, fruit of the Spirit. And in verse 7, Paul sums all of this stuff up in a really powerful phrase. He says that we, we commend God with weapons of righteousness in our right hand and in our left. Right? What, are, what are the weapons that Christians should use as they seek to commend Jesus? Uh, they're not physical weapons. The weapons that we have is doing the right thing. Doesn't sound very powerful, doesn't sound very impressive, but that's what we've got. Our weapon is weapons of righteousness, doing the right thing, Uh, which is not just sort of being a goody-goody, sticking to the rules. Uh, Righteousness in the Bible is is relational. It's about treating people right, uh, doing the right things by people in every situation. It doesn't sound very impressive, but it's one of the ways that Jesus turned the world upside down. Uh, As Christians, we believe that Jesus is none other than God himself who comes into the world in order to transform the world and to fix the brokenness that we find in the world. How does he do that? Well, he doesn't come in and smash the place up and kill off the bad guys. He came and he loved and he served, he sacrificed, And he even gave his own life. And as his followers, we should act in the same way. We should use the same weapons of righteousness that he did. It's a pity that Christians don't always get this right. And over the years and the centuries, we've often stuffed it up. Thinking of things like the Crusades in the Middle Ages, where Christians took up swords, physical weapons... Uh, and fought and that that is still a stumbling block for Muslim people all around the world it's something that trips up Muslim people wanting to follow Jesus even hundreds of years later how much better would it have been if they had have chucked down the physical weapons taken up the weapons of righteousness killed people with kindness rather than attacking them in a way which was not in the way of Jesus at all much better as an example was how the early church, the very early church, grew in its early years. So in the year 165 AD, a pandemic spread through the Roman Empire. Historians reckon it was probably the first outbreak of smallpox in the Western world. And something like a third or a a quarter to a third of the entire population of the Roman Empire was, was wiped out by smallpox. And people worked out pretty quickly that it was contagious. So when people started throwing symptoms, showing symptoms, people would abandon them. They'd just chuck them in the streets so that they didn't come near them. Except that's not what the Christians did. The Christians cared for each other and even cared for their neighbours, their non Christian neighbours as well. They took up weapons of righteousness. The weapons of righteousness were food and water and basic nursing. And they saved many lives, drastically reduced the mortality rates by those simple acts of love, taking weapons of righteousness and doing the right thing for the sake of other people. In the process, they removed stumbling blocks and barriers to faith. They commended Jesus in radical ways And the church grew incredibly fast as a result of their actions. So, Paul encourages us to commend Jesus by enduring hardship and by the way we display our character in the midst of hard times. But lastly, he reminds us in the midst of all of this, it's ultimately God's opinion that matters. The reality is that life has its ups and downs, there's good times. And there's also really hard and difficult times as well. And Paul captures that reality in in verse 8 of our passage. He says, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report. Now, life's life's a roller coaster. There are times when we feel appreciated that we're succeeding, that our relationships are going well. But there's other times when when things are just the pits. We're feeling ignored. uh, Everything that we touch turns to dust. Uh, and our relationships are stressful. And in in the midst of that reality of life's ups and downs, if how we understand ourselves, if if the core of our identity is is linked to our circumstances, then we're going to go from feeling great about ourselves to feeling the pits and up and down and up and down we'll go. But for followers of Jesus... How we understand ourselves is grounded much more in what God says about us and in the value that he places upon us and in the opinion that he has rather than the circumstances that we face. In him, our value is fixed and secure. We can know that we are loved. We can know that we have come into relationship with him through Jesus' perfect life and through his death in our place. Even though the circumstances of life might go up and down, we don't need to go up and down with them in terms of our understanding of ourselves, the core of our identity. See, what matters the most is what God thinks about us and how he views us and what he says about us. See, we may seek to commend Jesus to other people, and sometimes that'll be received well, but other times it won't. And so what ultimately matters is what God looks at, how he sees our actions and understands what we're doing. And Paul sort of speaks about that here when he says uh, we need to be genuine and seen as genuine by God, even if other people think we're pretenders. Um, We know and we rejoice that God knows us, that we're known by him. He knows our name and he loves us, even if other people might think we are irrelevant. He says that we don't even need to fear death, even as we're dying, we know that we have life through Jesus. He says that we can have joy even in the midst of sorrow. Joy is something that goes deeper than the circumstances of life, even though we will face sorrowful times. Uh, we can have a deep-seated trust that God is ultimately in control, that the sorrows that we face, the tears that we cry will be wiped away by the loving hand of a loving God. And even though we might not have much material wealth in this world, we may not be very wealthy, uh, we are always rich if we have Jesus, the greatest treasure that the world has ever known. And we offer him out to other people so that they too may know the riches of knowing him. In all of these things, Paul gives us a really helpful framework for following Jesus, and for sharing Jesus, commending Jesus to other people. We want to do it in a way which doesn't create stumbling blocks, which doesn't trip people up. Uh, And we do that by enduring hardship, by displaying the character of Jesus in our lives, even in hard times, and in fixing our opinion on what God thinks of us, focusing on Him and finding our identity in Him, in the midst of it all. It's a really helpful framework by Paul, but as I've been looking at this passage this week, I've been thinking to myself, I'm really glad I'm not Paul. (laughs) And I'm really glad that you're not the Corinthian church. Um, Paul writes this partly to kind of defend his ministry and the way he's undertaken things because... He's saying to the Corinthian church, I love you guys. And it's like crickets back. He's opening his heart to them and they're not really being open and receiving the ministry that he's offering. That's the Corinthian church, but that is is not this church. Um, I'm so thankful for the way in which you have opened your heart so wide uh, to me, and to the staff team here over these these last few weeks. The encouragement, the support, uh, the love that has been displayed to us us has been wonderful. Uh, For the way you've prayed for us and told us that you've been praying for us, upholding us in prayer has been wonderful. I've been encouraged by the way that you have loved each other, that you've you've reached out to to care for each other, to ring each other, to watch out for people who are more vulnerable or isolated and make sure that they're looked after and cared for. For the way that you've shown adaptability, um, wanting to get together digitally, even though that's been hard for some people, but being willing to change and adapt in order to love and serve each other. It's been wonderful. Uh, if If you're new to church not that familiar with church, maybe you've never physically been to church, uh, or you're new to this church, you'll have seen something uh, through our online services uh, of our community and what we're about, but let me tell you, there is so much more to experience. To experience the love of Christian community, and this community in particular, is something to behold and I look forward to being able to share it with you when we're able to physically meet together again. So thank you. Thank you for opening wide your hearts to me, to our staff, to each other. Uh, And my heart is is open wide and it's overflowing uh, with love for this church. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for the love that is being displayed to each other. May God bless you, protect you, Strengthen you and grow you in Jesus as we commend him to other people around us. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.